Hello everyone, this is Gruesome Herzog. Today's interview is the man, Dan Ellis. How you doing, Dan? Ooh, I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. I'm glad you I'm glad to have you on here. It's been a t- playing tag there for a while, but we finally got it done. Yeah, it's all right, man. Uh, you know, just uh, busy schedules, busy people. So that's good to hear. And uh, <coughs> if you want, we can start with a movie that I'm going to check out. It's about a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. It's monstered in 2003. Yes. Talk to me about. Uh, it. Well, uh, you know, monstered is the um, the bastard love child of Dan West and Rick Popko. To uh, two friends of mine from San Francisco, and I, I was living down there, and this was right around the time that uh, I had decided that I wanted to get back into acting because I had done some acting as as a child, preteen, and stuff like that. I went to performing arts high school, and I uh, I kind of got you know jaded by the whole uh, political side of things, and. Um, decided that I was going to drop out for a while. So anyway, long story short, uh, over the course of the years, I finally found myself in San Francisco. Um, I meet up with these two guys through a friend from work, and uh, we're sitting around talking one night, and I said, oh, well, you know, there were three Dans, actually, me, Dan West, and Dan Burr, uh, that were all hanging out, and um, I had, Dan West had said, you know, well, Dan here said that, you know, you you were interested in acting. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, we've got this movie. And they're kind of giggling while they're talking about it. And they're like, you know, we've got this movie that we've been working on for about two years now. And if, you know, you'd like to donate some time, you know, we'll, we'll put you in it. And I was like, oh, well, sure, that's cool. So I said, uh, well, what's what's it called? And... <laughs> So, you know, Rick's very animated, and he, you know, he kind of, he gets down on, you know, like in a linebacker sort of stance, you know, like he's ready to, you know, or like a, a, a left tackle, like he's ready to block somebody running at him, you know, and he's real animated and hands are waving around. He's like, okay, so it's about a shit monster, and it's called Monsterd. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and I started laughing so hard, and I was like, no, really, come on, man, and He's like, no, that's it. You know, this guy falls in the sewer, and you know, he gets mixed up with some chemicals, and he's a convict, and so he turns into the serial killing turd, you know, and whatever. And I was like, well, how can I say no to that? Yeah, really, right? So, um, so yeah, we did one scene, and it was kind of like, you know, just show up at the house, and I show up. They've got a little lab set up, and uh, I played Doctor Doctor John Waters, uh, Johnny Waters, actually. Uh, so I'm. I'm in the little uh, mock doctor's office, and, you know, they'd give me my script. And uh, <laughs> that was kind of all the time I had to prepare, and so we banged it out real quick. And then a week later, they went, oh, well, you know, uh, that was great, man. So we, we wrote a couple more scenes in for you, and, you know, if you want to do them, you know, we'll, we want to put these in the movie, too. And I said, okay, yeah. And then uh, and then that was it. And then it came out, and it premiered, and <laughs> we all had a pretty good laugh about the whole thing. You know what? I gotta check that out. I mean, it's it's listed as a comedy horror, obviously. So oh yeah, I really gotta check. I gotta check that out. Now it's super tongue in cheek. It's uh, you know, it, it's not the Titanic, and it's not uh, you know, it, the whole budget of the movie I think was about thirty five hundred or five thousand dollars, and and somewhere around twenty five hundred of that was the camera. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, so it was kind of, you know, a labor of love, working weekends, people donating a lot of time and locations and, and things like that. But they managed to get some really, really nice, uh, you know, set pieces and things just from asking people if they wouldn't mind helping them out. So it's a, it's a fun watch, definitely. It's it's a definite uh, get some pizza, grab some beers, watch Monster, and just kind of have a goof. You know what? I might be checking out today, checking it out. Now there you go. I think it's on Amazon or something like that. I'm not sure. So. I got to check it out. The next movie is how I actually found out about you. I mean, it's not. I mean, no slam towards you because I, I, you know, I watch so many horror movies. But I told you in a phone conversation that I am an avid bowler. So yeah. So and I'm a diehard, obviously a horror fan. So when you add horror to my favorite sport, other than football. Gutter balls in two thousand eight. Yeah, that's the that's the one that did it for me right there. I guess so. <laughs> well, my son, me, my son, and his girlfriend at the time, we popped it in like last year, I think it was, and uh, <laughs> we're watching this. You know, it's it's one of these movies that you have to um, get past some of the characters. Now, when I say that, I mean the ignorance. Of some of the, of some of the characters, yeah. Because it's definitely a movie you don't want anyone to live. Yeah, right. So, yeah. but you had the tranny in there. You had a mixture of everything in there. I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't want to go into too much detail in case people haven't seen it. I did review yeah. my podcast, like, like I told you, but <clears throat> I liked it very much. But if you want, you can go ahead and uh, talk <laughs> about your. Uh, I guess you don't want to. You don't want to say what you actually who you were, or you know what I mean. But you can give yeah. an idea of what it was like. Yeah, I, you know, at this point, it's it's almost kind of safe to to say, you know, that the cat's out of the bag. But I'll, I'll still uh, I'll I'll avoid any any sort of spoilers just in case there's somebody listening that went, well, how come I've never heard of this movie? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I um, so should I just tell you about the whole thing, how I got involved and, yeah, and all that, or what are you okay? Well, I had just uh, recently moved up to British Columbia, Vancouver, um, from San Francisco, and I had just done uh, Monstered with Rick and Dan, and we actually did the other one, Retarded. Um, yep. I just was in that one for a little bit because it was right before I was moving, and we tried to scram- cram a bunch of scenes in, but a-, a lot of the audio was really bad when you're guerrilla filming and you have to run out of a car real quick and set up and do the scene and then run back in the car. You don't really have an option for retakes, right? So, um, so yeah, so some of the stuff was garbled garbage, whatever. So I'm building my little resume. I had some other independent stuff and a lot of theater that I'd done and whatever else. And I got up here and <coughs> um, my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, uh, had told me, you know, well, if you're interested in acting, there's a lot of filming that goes on up here. They'd call it Hollywood North and whatever. And I went, oh, well, okay, that's good. You know, maybe I'll look around and see what I can get. And so the first place I checked is any, you know, uh, hipster on the go looking for information. I went right to Craigslist and um, checked their listings for, you know, auditions and things like that. And one of the first auditions I found was um, you know, local indie filmmaker, uh, you know, casting for horror feature. And I went, oh, well, look at that. What dumb luck. You know? I know. Uh, because I'm not, I'm not actually, I'm not just, 
some actor that wants to do any part. I genuinely, I, I love horror movies. That's the whole reason I got into acting. Uh, I was hooked on Lon Chaney when I was like, at the age of about six, my mom took me to see Phantom of the Opera and I became obsessed with the guy and how he made himself look like that and, you know, made went through the gambit of the classics then and gradually worked my way up to, you know, splatter and gore and all that. So, um, so when I saw this posting, I went, "Oh, well, this is this is classic. This is great. I gotta I gotta go for this." Um, I sent him my headshot, my resume, and uh, you know, he even told me that the whole reason I got I got into the audition was because he just wanted to hear about this movie Monster that was on my resume. So, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> we uh, there's a little child disturbance in the background. That's good. Sorry if you're picking that up, but uh, no biggie. So yeah, I got in, and uh, you know, I I met Ryan, and at the time I had no idea who he was. I didn't Google him or anything like that, and you know, um, he's there with uh, his partner from the effects company, Michelle, and um, his buddy Jay, who was the one of the camera ops on Gutterballs. So they're there. He gives me the sides, and he says, you know, ten fifteen minutes, I'll be back. Um, you know, I'm thinking he's an older guy, uh, probably walks with a limp, um, you know, whatever whatever else, you know. And I was like, okay, I know what he's going for. So I started thinking about, you know, I, I'm originally from the States, and I, I guess that was one of the big pulls, too, uh, being in Canada, was that I have an American accent, apparently. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that was something they wanted. He, he really, you know, once he found out I was American, he really wanted to, kind of see what I would do with the character. So I referenced the janitor that worked at one of the schools I went to. And this was an old crotchety kind of guy, you know, redneck dude, real piss and vinegar, don't take shit off nobody, you know, doesn't sugarcoat stuff, kind of tells you how it is, you know. And uh, I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's the kind of guy I'll go for. So I went in and I, I did the little spiel, and Ryan's like, okay, um, He's like, okay, well, uh, let's read that again, you know, uh, but this time read these sides and whatever, and I'll read with you. And I said, okay. So I read those, and <clears throat> uh, at the end he's like, okay, uh, so uh, we'll send you a script, and uh, we'll get you in for a makeup test, and, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Okay, thanks a lot for coming in. And I was like, okay, and I left, and I, I went, well, he didn't really say I was cast. Right, right. <laughs> So I'm thinking, like, you know, I probably should have just asked outright because now I'm in this limbo and I can't really go back in and knock and, you know, excuse me, uh, does that mean I'm cast? You know, because then it's like, well, maybe this is how it goes up here. (laughs) You know, I'm like, so if I go in and ask, I'm going to look like some sort of douchebag, right? Like, rookie, get out of here. So so I just let it go, right? And uh, then about six months later, uh, I get an email, you know, and I had kind of forgotten about it, and I'm just like, well, fuck, okay, that's weird, you know, oh, well, I guess maybe some things fell through, whatever, I don't know. I thought the project was done, so I get this email, you know, hey, we're going to have script read, blah, 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 so finally a year later, uh, we get all the pieces in place, the location secured, everything like that, I guess there was some, some you know, script rewrites, and they had... Uh, issues with locations and things like that. Apparently, the original location they wanted fell through at the last minute, so they had to find another one. 
And it's a good thing because at that location they got the Excalibur Bowl in Surrey was just awesome. <laughs> the yeah. whole neon with the glowing balls and everything, yeah. that was fantastic. So, yeah, so then we went and uh, I think it was, I think, 15 days of all-night shoots, midnight to uh, to 8 in the morning. Sometimes they'd let us start a little early, so it would be like 10, 30, 11 to, you know, eight thirty nine in the morning. And that was, yeah, 15 days. But it, it had such a creepy feel. But I mean, uh, being a bowler like myself, you you sit there and you watch this movie, and then you can you can feel and sense exactly what the characters are as far as bowling wise. Obviously, not the murder, but it, it, yeah. it's it's a neat. The, all the characters in that movie was off the wall. I mean, very good, you know, very interesting characters, and some of the kills in that movie are. Wow. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I reviewed it in my podcast, and I just said, look, for all gore fans, this movie you have to watch, because I've seen some kills that was never done before. Yeah, totally. That, I mean, that was the thing reading the script. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. Like, Because when I, um, like I said, when I was little and I, I got into acting through uh, you know, Phantom of the Opera and becoming obsessed with that. Originally, I wanted to do effects makeup, and I wanted to do monster makeup and creature makeup and gore and things like that. Well, this was actually before I really knew about gore, but I knew more about, you know, the monsters, werewolves and things like that, and I wanted to do that so bad, so I started getting tits and books and stuff, and I would make uh, my friends and I up, and we'd run around and act like idiots, you know, with bullet holes and, you know, busted up faces and things like that and, you know, lie on the side of the hill by the road and try to freak people out and, you know, usual dumb kid stuff, right? So I realized after doing this for a while, I was like, you know, I'm really having a lot more fun wearing the stuff and being a creature than actually putting it on. Putting it on is kind of becoming a pain in the butt because everybody wants me to do it and, like, I just want to wear the stuff too. So that was the point I I decided, you know, okay, I'm going to I want to be an actor. And luckily we had a really uh, accredited uh performing arts school in Cincinnati, uh School for Creative and Performing Arts. So that's I went and auditioned down there. My mom took me down. She said if this is what you want to do, I support you. Okay, have fun. Let's go. Yeah. And uh yeah, so so that was it. Now I got to ask so, you yeah. Now I got to ask you a question on this next movie now. But before I go there, um, let me hear it here. Alistair Gamble, who played Steve, okay? Yeah. Now, honestly, <laughs> is he just as annoying in Hanger? <laughs> His character. Uh, actually, you know what? No. Uh, and to tell the truth, um, uh, I, Alistair is nothing like that in oh, real life. I he's, believe it. He's, he's the nicest guy, uh, <laughs> and it's so funny because we'd come off set on gutter balls, you know, after he'd be like, you fucking cunt, you know, and yeah, this, yeah, that, yeah, and the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. And whatever, and then we'd walk off and he'd be like, so, um, how, how, how was that one? You know, do you think that was okay? And, you know, he's just real mild-mannered. He's, he's very personable, very charismatic, you know, but the last person you would expect to behave like that, but he he totally pulled yes, he did. the jerk-asshole character off so well, you know, no. and um, in Hangar, he sort of, uh, he plays... Sort of the same thing, but not. He's a, he's a bully at a facility at the recycling plant where Hanger winds up getting a job rooting through trash, right? Right. So he sort of plays um, one of the senior guys that's 
kind of a hard ass and you know likes to you know pick on him and torment him and he's he's also got some other nasty little secrets that come out in the movie <laughs> and they're uh yeah you I know went, i want to see this movie also no i didn't mean that as far as uh, he's probably a cool dude i would love to talk to him sometime but but steven oof, i tell you what he he pulled it off i'm telling you he i mean screaming and cussing and raising hell i mean he was very good. Now you, you mentioned Hanger. Now Nathan Dashwood, which I talked to also, he played Hanger. Um, but then, now, what exactly now, is, is this movie available for DVD? Or yeah, it's uh, it? it's out. Um, it's uh, it's uh, on Netflix. Okay. Uh, it's video on demand. You can watch it through there. Um, it's also on Amazon, I think, and. Uh, um, and you granted a blockbuster too. Uh, apparently, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know down there. It's so hard to find in Canada, which is a funny thing because the uh, Breaking Glass and uh, I don't know if they put it out under Breaking Glass or Vicious Circle, but um, yeah, the, it's like it's so hard to find up here. But apparently, they've rectified that, and it'll soon be readily available up here in hard copy in Canada. So that's good. For all the Canadian people. No. But, um, what was neat about this movie is you had some of the cast members from um, Gutterballs. You had, uh, of course, yourself. You had Nathan Dashwood, and you also um, Alistair Gamble, and you also had a legend in comedy horror, Lloyd yes, Kaufman. We had, Mel we had two legends. Yes, we had right. two legends. Debbie Rochon. Yep. Yes. Yep. Who is a? She is an absolute champ. Um, one of the coolest people you would ever want to meet in your life. Um, you know, she's total, uh, you know, just kind of like laid back, whatever. Let's just fucking knock it out and, you know, go have a smoke, right? So that was, uh, <laughs> that was it. But totally when it came time to turn it on, she was, she was there. Very professional, very personable, and, uh, you know, a, a dream to work with. I was, I was excited about the opportunity. And Lloyd, of course, is, is another, you know, Uncle Lloyd, as he had all the younger girls calling him on set <laughs> at some point, total creepy pervert yeah. grandpa, the dirty uncle. Yeah, so did he's ever, also a hell of a guy. Did you, ever, did you ever think about um, you know your first audition for Gutterballs, and you end up doing three movies for the same director? Um, you know, I, I, I've never really. Uh, no, you know, it's never really kind of like, uh, it's just one of those things that Ryan and I sort of fell in each other's lap, and uh, we have a good chemistry offset, and we seem to think alike on a lot of things, um, you know, and I, I guess that's what you, there's a weird relationship, uh, a weird sort of trust <clears throat> that you have to develop as, as uh, an actor and a director. Uh, as a director, you have to trust that your actor is going to show up and be able to give you what you expect. As an actor, you have to trust that what you give uh, to the director will be used in a way that will make you happy, you know, because I've done some smaller things with people with less experience and kind of gone, you know, well, why did, you know, like, it just you do the best you can and you hope that they they actually do something, you know, that that makes you feel like what you did was worth it. I mean, for lack of a better word, 
I don't want to sound like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to sound like an ego or a head or anything, but you just kind of, you hope like, you know, don't use the shittiest stuff that I gave you because you're going to make me look like a dink, right? So right, right. You're, you just, you hope that they take and, and they take the stuff that you felt was really the stuff you gave 110% and use it in a way that, you know, they don't make you look bad because basically your, your livelihood, your career, your hobby, whatever it is for you, is in their hands once you rap. So that point from, you know, that's, that's a rap, you know, we're done, that's a film movie rap, we're finished, everybody go home, I'll see you at the premiere. That time from the rap to the premiere is probably the worst time in an actor's life if he's seriously vested in the project he's just done. A lot of guys will get done with the project, they'll move on and go, okay, well, I'm done with that, I'm on to the next thing, and not, it, not just forget they even did this right. last project, right? Yep. Well, I, I'm not like that. I kind of like, if I do something, you know, it's like I follow it the whole way through, you know? I I like to know what's going on with it. It's something I had a hand in. It's a, you know, I feel like I'm just as much a part of the machinery of a movie as I am the finished project, the product, the visual experience at the end, right? Like, I, I'm those people become sort of your family, your extended family, and you make a lot of friends, and, you know, there's a lot of emotional investment into this thing just to kind of turn your back on it and forget about it, right? So that period, though, is just so nerve-wracking because you're so you're so stressed out about, oh, my God, you know, I've never worked with this guy. What is he going to do? Is this the end of my career? Uh, you know, like that, that's yeah. the kind of thing, right? So... When we had the premiere, I walked up to Ryan, I gave him a big hug, and I was like, dude, you can, anytime you need me, just give me a call. And he looked at me right there, and he goes, dude, you're going to be in every movie I make. And I went, oh, okay, whatever, you know, and just kind of laughed about it. And then, sure enough, you know, a couple months later, dude, hey, I'm going to do this thing, you know, and all right. So it turned out to be Hanger. And then after that, hey, man, we're going to do Star Vehicle, and I want you to be this guy. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, we did we did snap the chain at three. Uh, he just recently did Famine, which uh, I was not a part of, and we were a little heartbroken about that, but it was for the best, and, uh, yeah. So yeah. there was no ugliness there. It just that's the way it worked out, and that's fine. Well, since you mentioned it, yeah. um, Star Vehicle, <laughs> no, what exactly yes, is this sir. about? Uh, Star Vehicle is about... Uh, Don Cardini, a a driver to the stars. The uh, uh, there are teamsters, uh, usually teamsters, I think, on uh, every set that work with locations and locations and transportation. They they drive the big white vans and stuff around. That uh, they pick up cast and crew and drive them from the hotel to set or from you know one one location to the other you know whatever else and that's all they do all day is they sit in their van they wait for people to get in they drive them where they got to go and then they sit and wait for them to come back and they do it all over again and that's what they do all day so <clears throat> that's about one guy in particular that's a an ex, uh, it's sort of obsessed with horror and uh all things horror and he's a driver and uh apparently he's worked on the larger huge budget movies but now he's sort of um, due to his his attitude and uh, he's kind of spiteful and he's jaded by the whole industry at this point and he's been sort of knocked down the ranks and now he's working on lower budget things uh, 
and he's not quite getting the A-list gigs that he used to, and um, he can tell he's sort of being pushed out by, you know, the younger guys are coming in. and So uh, as he's on his way down, he sort of is meeting the next generation on their way up, which is this younger crew of filmmakers and another younger driver. Um, and he gets a job on the set, and it turns out that the lead actress, is uh, the object of, of his his obsession. It's this woman named Reversa Red, who's also sort of past her prime, and now she's on her way out and has once made the large, you know, larger budget things, and now she's sort of on her way down again into B-movies again, sort of back where you start, right? And then, so it's these two sort of on the way down, meeting up finally for the first time, and, uh, you know, Don's kind of upset about this gig he gets, and, you know, so he arrives, but then, you know, he's just kind of snapping at people, and uh, he gets into it with the lodge boy, you know, the guy at the front of the lodge who greets people when they come and go, and, you know, so, you know helps with your bags, and that's sort of, it's sort of like a bellboy, but... Right. Eh. So then he realizes that uh, the reverse of red is on, attached to this project, because he sees her, but she's not listed anywhere because apparently she has a stalker, so she's sort of going by an alias now, and they all get in the van, and he realizes slowly but surely that this director's a real douchebag, and um, the people on the crew, he just, he, you know, they're a waste of time, too. They're, they're all kind of, you can see they're up-and-comers, but they're not really, there's no artistic value to their work. They're just sort of driven by the dollar and distribution and fame and and whatever else, so it's kind of him and Reverse are these two sort of dying breeds of, of fan and performer um, that are being pushed aside by this new breed of of, uh, of you know filmmakers and, and actors and actresses and crew that just don't really have the heart for the movies. They don't really care about them like the way you know, like the way actors and actresses used to back in Don's day or back in Reverse's day, kind of thing. So. Right. So it's this, you know, it becomes a source of tension, and then finally things get heated up, and Don gets into it with the director, gets kicked to the set, and at that point he decides that he's not done. So he comes back, and uh, and then the movie sort of takes a, a nasty turn for <laughs> for the <laughs> cast and crew from there on, and uh, Don decides that he's going to make his own movie and teach a few lessons and. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see and, that. I gotta check that out too. That, that's available for rent at Blockbuster as well. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Well, that's uh. Yeah, Breaking Glass picked that one up too. Uh, it's um, it's gonna gonna do video on demand for that one. Uh, I think there's some talk right now about actually changing the name, um, before it uh it goes for sale. I I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that, so I, I will definitely keep you posted on, yeah. on that end. It's it's not, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Ryan's he's he's bouncing all over the place, <laughs> you know. Like we we had gutter balls, which was and he had torched his original film, and there was live feed, and gutter balls was kind of you know followed along the same trail, and he made hanger, which was kind of his um, his just like let's just make this disgusting fucking you know let's yeah. just do 
let's just do all the kind of nasty crap and make it this weird, um, you know, surreal sort of world that these characters and characters live in and just have them just do the most bizarre stuff. And so then did that, and it's like people see that, and they go, whoa, what the hell happened, Ryan? And then, um, you know, people that, that became fans of his from Gutterballs, because that was sort of the one that really um, that really did a lot of good things publicity-wise and, you know, kind of showed, like, hey, you know, that was Ryan's, like, I'm making these movies because I love these movies, you know? Right. And, and anybody that's worked with Ryan will, will tell you that. He's, you know, he definitely is not in it for the money. He's not in it for notoriety. He loves to make movies because he loves to watch the movies, and he loves filmmaking. So that's why he's doing it, and, and I'll back him up on that any day. But, um... <clears throat> So, yeah, so Star Vehicle is the first thing he sort of co-produced uh, with somebody outside of his immediate family or friends circle. It's, uh, it's, he did it with this new image um, entertainment, and uh, they're local up here in Vancouver. So they had their hand in a lot of issues, and there were a lot of things in the original script, as you can imagine, from what Ryan has done in the past, that new image wasn't quite hip to. And... Um, you know, there was <laughs> there was some pretty out there stuff that that had to be removed or whatever else. Now that being said, the movie is still gory. There are still some some really neat things that happen to people. If you understand that the whole thing is mm-hmm. fake and you're not you know <laughs> you're not yeah, watching right. some sick match, right? But it's uh it's definitely I I think it's more it it's friendlier to a wider market than um say. You know, like gutter balls, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't, you know, if it was a Tupperware party coming on, you couldn't leave that out and have, oh, let's put this in. Right, you know, right. You know, you wouldn't, you don't know who you're going to offend. Or, you know, even if you got some buddies over from work, you still kind of got to screen people before you put like, gutter balls or hanger in, right? Well, our vehicle is more like, are you okay with blood, you know, and 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 that sort of thing. And it's, it's less offensive, I want to say, which is, it's not always a good thing to be less offensive because I I like shock and I like yep. you know pushing boundaries and stuff. Um, but it's it's a good movie in a different way. The production value is a lot better. Um, it's it's actually kind of character driven. Um, you know, it it was fun to make. So ultimately, I think that all kind of comes out in the end. I, I don't want to scare people off like it's you know oh it's boring. Well, it's not boring, you know, and it's not, it's just we don't have the, like, tampon tea and the fart jokes and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, right? right? But it's still a good movie. It's an entertaining watch, and it's, it's uh, yeah, it's still got the gags, you know, it's got the gore, it's got the, you know, it's got it's got a lot of that stuff in there. There's nudity, you know, so all the things that a lot of the, the plot digger pervs, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the fan base really likes. Those are all still in there, so. But it it is a different movie, and I kind of like it because well, it is. I will check it out. Now, your next one now is it in production? The hard cut. Or oh, the hard cut is done. Okay. Um, I'm actually going to the premiere of that uh, on the 10th um, of November. Uh, <coughs> so that one is done. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I don't know anything about it. I, I well, I know what yeah, it's right. about and that, but um, 
Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So now, you played Jonas. I played Jonas, the movie producer. Okay. And uh, he's a slimeball uh, producer of B movies, and I mean, you could pretty much, you know, you yeah. wouldn't know if he was producing porn or B movies. <laughs> now and there's a uh, what? And the, the director ahead. was I'm sorry, the, the director was Vince D'Amato. Not what was he like? Uh, Vince D'Amato from yeah. Creepy Six Films. He's uh, he was a good guy. He, he's he's a, a very friendly, uh, approachable guy. Um, uh, he was great to work with. Um, you know, it, he was very. Um, you know, when you're when you're doing something for somebody, whether building something or um, cooking something, or you know, when you're trying to manufacture something, whether it's um, somebody's an image they have in their head. Uh, you know, a scene, uh, something uh, tangible. You know, the thing you need the most as the worker, you know, the builder, is communication. So, you know, Ryan, very good at communication. Vince, very good at communication. So, you know, those those are kind of the main things you look for. You know, can I can I give my input to you, and and have you actually listen to it and tell me what you think? Yes, then that's the plus, you know. So Vince and Ryan both have those, you know, and it's like, will you tell me what you need in in terms that I understand and I can deliver? Yes, you know. So that's sort of what you look for, you know. Right. And yeah, Vince Vince is Vince is a hell of a dude. He's he's awesome. He's fun. He's funny. You know, he's not a not a kicker, not a screamer, not a you know. <laughs> yeah, it makes it a hell of a lot easier when you have somebody that's relaxed but serious. Well, yeah, you know, nobody wants to work with some uptight guy that, you know, whispers in the AD's ear, and then the AD comes over and tells you what the director just said. It's like, what? what's that garbage, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't come talk to me. Right. Yeah. Now, do you have any other projects coming up after this, or are you on the waiting list? Well, um, Ryan and I are going to uh, working out some of the details of uh, we want to do the murder mag, um, and we been sort of um, getting the the word out on the street about that one's imminent arrival. Um, we're just getting all the details of the script finished right now, and then uh, and then it's into some serious pre-production. We have uh, cast already attached, local actors and actresses, um, and uh, they're all kind of very patiently waiting in limbo. Uh, for scripts and things like that, but uh, we originally we're going to shoot the end of this month. Um, however, I, I just I don't see that really happening. I haven't got the official word from right. Ryan, but um, we have too many things to kind of sort out, and that's too tight. I don't think you know. And we want to do this one justice. This is not going to be rushed. If it's something that takes us a year to do because we have to sort of nickel and limit to death on weekends or whatever we can do, then that's what we're going to do. Um, because we kind of Brian and I have both decided that we want this one to be extremely brutal and dark and uh, very serious. Uh, not you know, not you know, no no fart jokes and you know whatever else, right? Like it's going to be it's going to be one of the ones that you kind of you you don't feel so clean when you leave. You know, like you <laughs> take the shower with your clothes on, like oh, what did I just watch? You know, that's what we want. You know, we want it to be 
um, because it it's sort of loosely loosely it's inspired by Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris, the guys from California that um, kidnapped and murdered five young girls in the van that they affectionately titled the Murder Hack. That's okay. what they called their van. So that's where we got the title from, and we sort of loosely based our... Ryan and I are both a star in it, and we loosely based our characters on these two guys. Um, and uh, they're just... The, the, you know, if you can go online and, and read up about these guys, um, you know, the things that they did were not uh, not pretty. Um, they, they make me kind of sick to my stomach. Um, so we figured if we could do this in, in a way... Um, you know, and it's one of those things you, you kind of stop sometimes and go, why the hell do I want to make a movie like this? <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? Like, if there's something fucking wrong with me, you know? Like, but like, uh, but it, it's like, why would you want to, why would you want to do anything associated with these guys? And the thing is, we just, we kind of sat around and we said, look, man, let's, you know, the next movie needs to be like, it's got to be really brutal, you know? And Ryan was like, well, you know, we should do something more along the lines of, like, serial killers rather than slasher, you know, revenge flick or, you know, whatever else. And I was like, okay, well, what do you got in mind? And he's like, well, check these guys out. And so we, I started reading up on them, and I was like, oh, fuck, dude. I was like, wow, we could really do a lot with these guys, you know. And he's yeah. like, yeah, well, you know, you could play Larry and I'll play Roy. And I was like, oh, well, that, that'd be perfect, you know. So, like... <laughs> So it's kind of, you know, it's it's really weird. I mean, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to find a way to uh, to to do it, but do it justice, you know, and not not make it, we're not going for camp, not going for like a tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, if there's humor there, it's just because it's a, it's a normal, everyday humor that you might have talking to your friend or whatever else, you know. Just, we want it to be a snapshot inside the lives of two extremely fucked up people right. that do extremely fucked up things, right? So, um, yeah, you know, and it's it's just kind of fun. I mean, because, you know, Ryan likes the gore and the gags and, you know, stuff like that. And I love that stuff, too. I like watching it done. I love being covered in the goo, you know, and like when we did Hanger, I was like, yeah, man, prosthetics, you know, give me more, give me more, you know, and like I love wearing the stuff. It, taking it off is not so nice. Putting yeah. it on and wearing it, Awesome. You know, so yeah, so this one's going to be, um, I mean, it might be a while before this one comes up because we both really want to do this one right and we want it to be, yep. um, you know, we, we want it to be right. It's never good to rush. No, never, never. <laughs> well, one thing that the, the listeners might want to know about you is Uh-oh. you're born in Cincinnati, Ohio. I hate you already because I'm a Steeler fan. I know. <laughs> no, no. All right. Now, but you also served four years in the Navy during the Gulf. I did. Yes, I did. Very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I went there the first time in uh, Operation uh, Desert Storm. And the funny thing is, you know, as a young man at the age of, what was I, 18, 19, I, um, I thought, well, you know, I'm at the crossroads of my life right now. My mom had basically said, look, you got to get a job, join the service, or get out. You know, you got three things. You got one. You got to get one of them, right? So I said, "Well, I don't want to get out. I got nowhere to get to." And I was like, "You know, I don't want to start just 
grinding away at the, you know, down at the sawmill and, you know, whatever else, working at the dock and, you know, or washing dishes, whatever, you know, high school dropouts do, you know. Like, I, I was having too much fun being a bum and riding my skateboard and listening to punk rock music and all that, right? So, mm-hmm. I, um, I said, well, what the hell, you know? I wanted to, originally I wanted to be a diver, you know, when I was little. I, I liked the concept of, uh, combat swimmers and things like that. And, um, I said, well, you know, I could travel and see the world, and I, Popeye was one of my heroes as a kid, and <laughs> I said, well, hell, I'm born for the Navy. i got to join the Navy, you know. I love to swim. I love the ocean. I love to travel. And, you know, the tattooed sailor and hula girls and all that and, you know, the romantic notion. And I, So I went down and talked to the guy, and next thing I know I'm signing papers, and two months later I'm being chipped up to Chicago in the middle of winter and, January, you know, freezing my ball off, you know, at some boot camp, some guy yelling at me and, <laughs> you know, whatever, and I'm going, ah. But I had, I basically joined the Navy to get out of trouble. Right. What's the thing? I was hanging out with kind of a seedy crowd, and we were starting to get into some slightly seedier things, and uh, it was kind of that point in my life where uh, I think if I had made another decision, um, either I might not be here or, uh, you know, one of those, like, I'd be incarcerated or I'd just be, you know, in some little uh, rancid, rat-infested shack, shanty down by the river, right? Right. Damn, down by the river. But, um, <laughs> so, so I joined the Navy and everything's going fine and I'm meeting people and everything's going great. I get to my first boat and I'm on the boat and we're cruising along and then all of a sudden it's, hey, you know, we got, we're getting underway can't really tell you guys where we're going but we're getting underway you know and none of us really watch the news and kind of keep up on world events we're all out getting drunk and you know being 19 20 21 year old guys you know stationed in japan so it's like i'm out having fun i don't care what's going on in the world you know i'm just like eh. i go to the boat do my job come out go hang out with my girlfriend or whatever and mm-hmm. I do my stuff, you know. I'm just a young guy. I don't have time to get caught up in that. So about halfway down where we're going, you know, it's been a, a good couple of days underway, and finally the announcement comes over, yeah, we're going to the Persian Gulf, you know, we've got to pick up some supplies here, there, and here, and there, and then, uh, yeah, that's where we're going. And we're like, oh, okay, and then all of a sudden a message comes on the TV about what's going on in Persian Gulf, and we're all like, oh, what the Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, so so anyway, so we get down there and <clears throat> this is actually the story gets a lot better. This is this is a good one. I'll I'll, try to, I'll give you the rough summary, okay? <laughs> so we get down to the Gulf. Uh you know, there's little weird mishaps happen. Some Marines blow themselves up cuz they're trying to make a a barbecue out of an old uh oil can. The the 55 gallon drums. Oh my god. They decided to weld one open. They were going to what, you know, torch the top of it to take it off to open it up and make a grill out of it they're torching it up apparently it still had stuff inside it blows up you know like two guys can <laughs> be fucked up whatever Jeez. sounds like some stuff we do so yeah anyway there's you know so we're coming back actually on the way down to the gulf we pull into okinawa uh there's a news helicopter because word is getting out a bunch of ships are going to the gulf so everybody in the world wants to know who's going and why what's going on and 
you know, it's one of those, I guess when you're sitting back home and all of a sudden you get the, you know, uh, fleet of Navy vessels just left Okinawa for en route to, you know, Persian Gulf to let you know before the official word comes that she's hitting the fan, right? So the news helicopter's going around, and we're doing a brief on the bridge, and all of a sudden we hear, what, 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 what? And we look out, and it's as if somebody had just grabbed the propeller, and the helicopter was spinning around instead of the propeller, right? Oh, my God. But it's still, yeah, it's still hovering there. And all of a sudden the thing just sort of flips over on its side and goes right into the wall, and the entire crew, everybody in that helicopter died. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so that's not a good sign, right? So, <laughs> you know, we, we get, it's a real, you know, I look back on things like this and I go, it's no wonder that I have some of the issues I have today. <laughs> so, so we get down there, you know, Marines blow themselves up. We come back. On the way back, uh, we spend the Philippines. Okay, we're down there, we're hanging out, you know, and I'm, I'm down, I'm walking down, uh, McSci-Fi Drive and along a pole, you know, Subic Bay. And I'm there, and I'm getting ready to go, you know, Johnny Rockets or something like that. I can't remember what the name of the place is. But anyway, I'm going to the Stone Crow or something ridiculous to get a glass of mojo. And uh, all of a sudden, I look up, and it's like, it's getting really dark. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It's like noon, 1 o'clock or something right. like that, right? And it's like, it's really getting dark. Like, all of a sudden, like, it's like this black sheet had just covered the entire sky. And I look, and all of a sudden, people start running out, freaking out, running around. And all of a sudden, it looks like it's starting to snow. Well, apparently, Mount Pinatubo had just erupted. So, <laughs> oh so the next thing, the next thing I know, we're way out in, in Subic City, which is you know the farthest little place from where the ships are that you would like to go. We're out there, and all of a sudden, there's there's a good two feet of volcanic ash on the ground. Buildings start like the roofs start caving in because I mean the Philippines is not a you know it's not one of the wealthiest countries and right. there's still a lot of like like huts and corrugated roofs and things like that and not very structurally sound and so there's things collapsing and buildings are collapsing and we finally decide well maybe it's a good idea to go back to base uh, we're going back there's people screaming they're trapped in buildings there's things like that and we're trying to help people. Uh, then, you know, finally the MPs come up and they're telling us that we have to get back to the base. Our liberty's been secured. Um, so we go back and, you know, they're like, don't worry, we're sending, you know, people are going to come out and try to help these people and whatever else. So we get back to base. Uh, we're all outside hosing all this volcanic ash off the boat because there's about two tons of volcanic ash on the boat and it's slowly sinking. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so the ash is getting into the engine. Um, so... We all of a sudden get the order that we have to evacuate people to Cebu, which is the uh, southern part of the island. I, I believe it's southern. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so we get a bunch of the people from the base. We get them on the boat. We take them down to Cebu. We're like, okay, now we got to go up to uh, Yokohama, which is Tokyo, to go into dry dock because we have so much volcanic ash in the engine. They have to take apart our engines and clean them and whatever else. So we're like, yay, dry dock, because dry dock's awesome. Because you don't, you don't really do any work unless you need to paint a space or something like that. And you get to party a lot, plus you're in Tokyo. So that's even bonus, right? So we get up, you know, we're on our way up there, and we're like, okay, we got to pull into Okinawa again. Uh, something about Okinawa. And as we pull in, I'm doing navigation, and that was part of my job. And I, I said, well, I think we're too far to the right. 
we're too far to the right of course. Uh, I think this is a bad idea. So we call up the bridge, and the captain says, no, no, we're, we're, uh, we're right on course. I'm listening to the quartermasters. They have us here. We're fine. So all of a sudden, I notice we're getting really close to shallow water, <laughs> and I'm telling my senior officer, I'm like, look, you need to call up and tell them we're about to hit shoal water, which is very shallow, like even the dinghy, you don't want to be in this, right? right? So... He calls up and he says, are you sure about this? And I said, look, I'm doing radar navigation. I'm taking points and lookouts. I said, this is where we are right now. And uh, so he calls up and he's like, you know, we recommend turning this course right now to avoid a shoal water, you know, whatever. And the captain's like, oh, you know, you guys are far off. You know, we're taking visual sights out here. Everybody knows that's more accurate. And then he hangs up. Not more than two seconds go by. (laughs) The whole ship vibrates. Oh my like God. we've run over something. <laughs> oh my God. Turns out we ran aground, so we had to get tugboats to take us all the way back up to Yokohama. Oh. We get up to Yoka, uh, up to uh, 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 yeah, Yokohama, and we go up there. We're in dry dock. We're out one night partying, um, and I come back, and there's a bunch of people around the quarter deck, and I'm going, "What the hell is going on?" They said, "Well, one of the seamen came back." Seamen, that still cracks me up. But one of the seamen came back and uh, apparently fell off the quarter deck into the water, drowned, and died. So we're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, could this trip just get any worse, you know? Oh, Everybody shit. I tell that story to, it's like, dude, you have to write a book about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> because there's, like, so much other crap that happened in between there. I'm just like, you know, this is there's no way, you know... It, it kind of inspires me to really talk to people that I just meet on the street because you never know what kind of fucked up story like that guy sitting right next to you in the bus is going to have, God, you know? Your own horror <laughs> story. Jesus. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'm like, and I, I joined Navy to get out of trouble. That's the thing that cracks me up, you know? And then you, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. In a nutshell, that's a, that's a whole separate podcast right there, man. That's uh Oh jeez! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I still have some good dreams about that one. That's uh, that's nice. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, Dan, I want to thank you for coming on. It was quite an interesting interview. I'm well, good say. man. And uh, you know, again, I'm going to apologize for ruining your Monday night here. You're going to be our first win in four <laughs> games, I think. So, <laughs> you know, that's okay. Oh, that, okay. that game pissed me off. Oh my god. Yeah, well, you know, my whole team pissed me off. I, I'll never turn my back on them, but I'll tell them to, to eat a, a whole bag full of rat penises. That's for sure, because I'm tired of this. Every year I get my hopes up and just blow it. They either fall flat right in the beginning of the year, or they get all the way to the playoffs and then just do this, like last year with the Jets. Yeah. I hate the Jets. Yeah. I, 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 well. I never liked them, and that's it. Well, the Jets should never been the Jets should never been in the playoffs last year, but the Colts laid down and, and left them win. That's yeah, a, that's what pissed me off. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> all that's right, all right, Dan. That's I, a whole other podcast there too. I tell you. Oh yeah. All right. Well, anyways, if anything else comes up in the future, feel free to give me a ring. Be interesting to talk about it. Yeah, man, I'll uh, I'll keep you posted, you know, one way or another. I'm on the Facebook as well, so anybody listening, if, uh, you know, send me an invite. I don't care. I'll talk to anybody, man. I ain't proud. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? You know? 
the more you communicate with your fans, the better it is. You know that? Well, you know, I don't really think of them as fans. I think of them as, as uh, you know, friends and people with common interests, right? Yeah. Because we all love horror, you know, and that's kind of, that's what it's about. Yep. You know? Got it. I know so, yeah. I, uh, what's the... The last big name movie that I watched was The Crazies, and I loved it. Yeah, I thought that was good. You know, the, the last remake that, uh, that I actually thought was really good, uh, and I would put my top, my top three remakes ever was, uh, I, I know somebody's gonna torture me for this one, was The Last House on the Left. I loved it. I thought that was excellent. I it thought is. they did a great job with that. So did I. I totally agree. It's probably one of the first and the best revenge movies I've ever seen. The the original of that back in seventy two, it's obviously different, you know, that the new one is, but I like yeah. I like the new yeah. one better for the simple fact is, you know, I can't I don't know who didn't see it, but I I'll just come out and say it, I don't care. In the original, the girl was killed. In the right. re- in the remake, she wasn't. Right. That's the thing I didn't like either. I was like, uh I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't like that and I didn't like um I the thing in the original was that the revenge was premeditated. Yes. Whereas in the remake it's more reactionary. Yes. It's more they're sort of reacting to the situation instead of planning it. And I liked the planning part. I thought that was excellent. Some neat kills so, in there too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but now I, I must say right. one I must say one thing. At the end of the movie, it didn't quite make any sense with the microwave. Yeah, I, everybody kind of scratched their head at that one, but, you know, it's like, <laughs> that, was, that was overkill, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I don't even know if you can really do that, can you? I, <laughs> oh, no. no. Yeah. I mean, I understand that, because I had some people go, well, why didn't the guy just get I'm like, well, because he paralyzed the guy, right? So they're like, oh, okay. But I'm like, well, I don't know. Can you just leave and take the door off of it and rig it to run like, like, what the guy is in the electrician too? Or like, I don't, I don't, I don't well, think whatever. So. I don't yeah. think that would work. Anyway, anyway, but it was cool to watch. Yes, I love that movie. It's just, it's just like Jason X is uh, the space one, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Terrible movie. One of my least favorite of all the Jason movies. Yes, me but too. The uh, the scene, well, that and uh, okay, that and Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, are, are, that's what he said. That. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but when he dips the girl's head into the liquid nitrogen <laughs> and then smashes her head on the counter, one of my favorite scenes of any horror movie <laughs> ever. I love that part. I don't know why, but every time it's on, I'm just like, woo! <laughs> I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Guys, check this out. One man team, what the fuck is that about? It's a glitch, there is no BBK. You don't know who or where this person is. People don't just vanish into thin air, it's a fucking going out of the place. It's safe to say that BBK won this game. Fuck the game! Fuck BBK! And fuck this fucking bully! Yo, this night is getting pretty fucking interesting.